0: Catch your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2. I'm excited to be here this morning. If this is your first time with us, or if this is the first time you've been back to church in a really, really, really long time, or maybe this morning this is the first time you've ever been to church, I want you to know we're glad that you're here. Uh, We we, uh, want to be a community, uh, a space where you can belong before you believe. And so we acknowledge that everyone in this room... Whether you were born in church or whether you come in and you don't even know if you believe in God, we we acknowledge this morning that we're all on a spiritual journey, and what we all share in common is that we are in desperate need of a touch of God, that we need Jesus, and so um, we're just glad you're here. If you got your Bibles and you haven't already, Genesis chapter two. Let's celebrate just for a moment. Awaken! We've been doing praying and fasting for thirty days. We're at the halfway mark. Come on, get it up! Fifteen days. Fifteen days. Man. You guys uh, have, must have been eating. My belly's like, praise the Lord, you're halfway there. So um, I'm excited uh, for this morning. We're going to continue our series, uh, Awaken. We're going to continue our series, Awaken. This morning, if you're taking notes, my, my sermon, my title, my, my preach is uh, titled, Awaken Us to Sabbath Rest. I'll say it again, Awaken Us to Sabbath Rest. Rest. This morning, as we talk about rest, as we talk about Sabbath rest specifically, the one thing that I I think would be just a a good starting space for all of us would, would be to 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 talk about the the life pace in which we find ourselves as we all live in this Western culture civilization. You see, the reality is you talk about the pace of the world that we live in, it's very busy. I would even argue that one thing uh, that we as Americans do really well together is that we worship uh, the, the God of busyness. Uh, breaking news, 24-hour news cycles, constant notifications on our phones, social media at our fingertips. If we scrolled once and there's nothing new, just give it 30 seconds and we'll scroll again, right? It's like, it's 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 fast paced. It's always going, and in the midst of that, we're trying to work jobs. We're trying to pay bills. We're trying to go to class. We're trying to pay pass tests, uh, pass tests. If if you're single, you're trying to find someone to mingle with. If you're you're married, you're trying to navigate how to grow old together. If if you're raising kids, like you're trying to figure out how how do I not kill them? And 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 then if you're like a grandparent, you're trying to figure out how do you not kill the kids that is also raising kids and all of that, right? It's like. Life is, life is busy. Life is busy. The, I would say that the pace in which the American culture finds themselves is probably not very healthy, as we'll find out this morning. But as I began to just reflect this past week about where our culture is, spiritually speaking, in, in the, the rhythms of the way that we do life, I started just thinking just a few decades ago, about how in, in the different spaces throughout our lands, how you could find different rhythms of life. And so if, if you look back just even a couple decades ago, you would look at the city, and all of us acknowledge that the city is, it, it was the space where you expected life to be fast, right? Everybody nod your head like the city was a space where you thought, man, life is going to be fast. And then the suburbs is where you went. It was a fast pace, but it was nothing like the city, and then the country place, like if you went into the country, that's where like for, for people who, who like a faster pace a couple of decades ago, that was like, oh, like everything is so slow, right? But what I found is being a man who has friends in each of these areas today, what I found is that my city friends and that my suburban friends and even my country friends who are farmers, what they all share in common in similarities today is every time I talk to them, they always seem to be busy, they always seem to be overworked, they always seem to be anxious, and they always seem to be tired. And I would argue this morning that that's not a beautiful picture, or nor the picture that we see in following God, following Jesus, of what it looks like to live in the way of Jesus, And so my heart this morning as we talk about awakening us to Sabbath rest is simply this. I want to give us just a clearer picture of the invitation that Jesus is inviting us into. And my hope is as we all come with a heart that's ready to receive this this morning, my, my hope is uh, that, that we can kind of step into it and begin to participate in this, and so, uh, just a disclaimer you know, me and my wife, we were hanging out earlier this week driving down the road, and she was like, Hey, what are you preaching on? And you know, I was like, kind of spitting game like a husband. I'm like, Girl, I'm like, I'm preaching on the Sabbath rest. And just her being a good wife, she's like, You need to tell people that you suck at it. And I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, Whoa, baby, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I'm, I'm the man, I'm you don't talk to me like that, I'm kidding, but. It was just this moment where I'm like, oh, like, she's right. Like, the very thing that I'm preaching on, I'm also navigating. And so I just want to say, like, this is a journey that we're, that we're on together. And I don't stand up here to say that I've figured this out, but I do stand up here to say Jesus has figured it out, and Jesus is inviting me in the same way that he's inviting you. So if you have your Bibles and you haven't already, go to Genesis chapter 2. I want to give you kind of the outline of our time together. We're going to talk about what is Sabbath rest, We're talk about why do I need Sabbath rest, and then the last thing we're gonna talk about is what does it look like for me? What does it look like for me personally? And so, if we just define Sabbath rest, here it is: it's intentional time built into our calendar to rest, to reflect, and to be refreshed by God. And we'll say that again: Sabbath rest. It is intentional time built into our calendar to rest, to reflect, and to be refreshed. But God, and so when we jump into Genesis chapter two, I need you to just have a little bit of context. We're picking up in the middle of the creation account, meaning God is creating. That's what he is. He is a creator. He, he just never stops creating, right? And he, we see this for six days. He creates the sun and the moon and the universe and the stars and, and, and the golden doodles. Like he, like he, he creates it all. And then you get to day six and he's finished, And what I want us to see is, okay, he finished on day six, but what is the thing that he participates in in day seven? And I think if we can come with eyes that are ready to receive it and ready to see it, I think it will radically change the way that we think about doing life with God in general, specifically through the context of how am I doing on the inside with with my soul? How is the health of my soul? So look to Genesis 2, verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array, It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, here it is. It says, he rested. It's interesting. He rested from all his work, and then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating all the things that he had done. And it's interesting to me, because there's this pivotal moment, if, if we read it, We don't digest it, we we, we might miss the hugeness, the bigness, the vastness of what God is really trying to bring and breathe into creation here. You see, there's this moment about a God who doesn't need to rest, but yet on the day seven he rests. Why did he rest? God, why would you rest? Well, he's not resting because he needed to rest, he's resting because he knew that you and I would need to rest. You see, right here we see just two chapters in in the creation account that God is building within the rhythm of creation a day to rest. Because what God knew, something that we often ignore, is that our souls need to be in the presence of God to rest and to reflect and to be renewed and refreshed and and made new. And, And God knew this, and so he built in within the creation account day 7 this day of rest and i think it's so important for us just to see i don't want us i don't want us to, to miss the bigness of this you talk about hows how's your soul how how, how are you how are you doing on the inside and i'm i'm going to tackle that in a moment but just this idea of of god intentionally building in this day for you and i to rest we talk about sabbath rest it's building in within our calendar intentional times to rest and to be with god and, and as I was just tackling this week and, and then reflecting after my wife just, just told me, hey, like this is an area that you need to grow in as well, When I, I began to look inward and I began to go, what, what are the things that in my calendar that I can strip away so that I can step into so that in the presence of God, my soul can be refreshed and made new and I can find that rest that my soul is longing for? You know, if I asked you in, this morning, if I just gave you an index card and a, and, a, and a pen and I said, hey, give me one word about how you're doing on the inside, what would that word be? What would that word be? Maybe I've asked that question before. I don't know. You know, I preach a lot of sermons. You start preaching the same ones. But what would your word be? Would you, would, you, would you write on that word? If I said, how are you doing on the inside? How's your soul? Would you write just one word? Would you write tired? Would you write stressed? Would you write busy? Would you write overworked? Would you, would you, what would you write? Or would you, would you pull from words or like refresh? I feel rested. I feel good. I feel like what's going on in in here this morning. And and the reason I wanted to kind of start off in this space is because I I wanted, I wanted to give us um, the opportunity to have an honest conversation with our own heart and then to begin to navigate from there the rest of the sermon going, okay, so I'm navigating my heart. This is where I'm at. And then to begin to receive from the Word of God, it's almost as if we're going, hey, what are the broken spaces in my life where I need the power of heaven to come in? Come on, are you guys with me this morning? And so just what what would your word be this morning? I would argue that the very thing that's going on in here scripturally points to the idea it all has to do with what's going on out here. Meaning, if I'm living a life where my life rhythms are attached to Sabbath rest remembrance, meaning I'm intentionally building rhythms in my life throughout the week in my calendar to be with God, to rest with God, to hear from God, to talk to God. Scripture says that there's a healthy inside. But I would also point to the idea that if we if our life rhythms lean more towards Sabbath rest forgetfulness, meaning we aren't intentionally building time to be with God throughout our week outside of a Sunday, we'll get to this later, what ends up happening is our souls, they become anxious, and, and we can't find rest, and we're stressed, and we're overworked, and we're busy, and it's just so interesting to me when you, you think about this concept of am I observing Sabbath rest remembrance, meaning I'm building rhythms in my life to be with God in my calendar, or Sabbath rest forgetfulness. Now, I want you to know this morning as we navigate this conversation, it's not a conversation of condemnation. That's, that's just the voice of the enemy. This is a conversation of invitation. And I think the, the, what I love about God is that he's always inviting us in to go deeper, to go farther. To go to, greater, to go to greater depths. And so you think about this idea of, of what is Sabbath rest? I just want to define it one more time, and then we're going to jump in just, just to, the, to the next part. Sabbath rest is intentional time built into our calendar to rest and reflect and to be refreshed by God. And so for us to go, hey, that's something that God thought was such a big deal that he would spend an entire day resting when he didn't need to rest because he was trying to build in, within the the rhythm of creation, this moment for us to recognize that our soul is longing for this. Do you know that as we live and worship the God of busyness, our soul is in constant protest, saying we need time with God. We need to be refreshed. We need to be, like, just think about this, just real practical. This morning, for someone in this room... It was a literal struggle of whether or not you was going to come to church. And, And that's not, once again, not condemnation. I'm just telling you, this is the battle that was going on. Your flesh was saying, lay in bed, sleep, not a big deal. The spirit inside of you, your soul was literally protesting, saying, no, we need to go. And then you come, and then you leave. And every time you leave, you're always glad you came. Why? Because your soul came, and it was refreshed, and it was made new. there's a battle going on, and the soul is constantly protesting to the very thing that God built in from the very beginning, that we need this rest. So what is Sabbath rest? It's building intentional time throughout the week. Y'all are like, man, I've heard this eight times. I'm like, I'm just really trying to get it out. It's building intentional time in our calendar throughout the week to spend time with God. So we talk about what is Sabbath rest. Now I want to talk about why do we need it. Go ahead and turn to Ezekiel. Chapter 20, Ezekiel chapter 20, we're going to read verses 8 and 13, Ezekiel chapter 20 verses 8 and 13. Here's the big idea of what we're about to read, okay? This is the big idea of what I want you to see. What does it look like when a generation of people go from being on fire for God, like wanting to walk in the ways of the kingdom of God, to beginning to have Sabbath rest forgetfulness? What is the fruit of a generation that doesn't take serious this longing of the soul to be with God? What is the fruit of a generation that says, I, I'm going to build my own kingdom and, and not pay attention to what my soul is calling me to? And, and so in Ezekiel chapter 20, we're going to start reading in verse 8. Here's what I want you to know about this generation that we're about to read about. This generation had seen the hand of God. And, and, and I know that sounds real preachy, but go read it. These people had literally seen God make a way when there seemed like there could be no way. These people, when they were in the wilderness and they were hungry, as in like, you know, we're Americans, not, not many of us, uh, just some of our stories, not many of us know what it really means to be hungry. I mean, these people, their belly is aching to the point, they're like, man, like, it's one thing when you're hungry, it's a whole other level of hungerness when your belly starts to tell you you're hungry. When you can hear your stomach, these people were so hungry and God gave them bread from heaven. These people were walking through the desert, and they were thirsty. Literally, they were just thirsty, and and literally God performed a miracle. He brought water from a rock. I mean, these people had seen God move in miraculous ways. and So here's the question this morning. If they had seen God move in miraculous ways, and in one season were ready and had a heart that was willing to be on fire for God, but in the next season they'd become a people who had forgot about him, what happened? What happened? I would argue this morning that it's tied to their Sabbath rest forgetfulness. And I think we see it in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 8. Let's start reading. It says, but, talking about this generation, he says, they, they rebelled. They rebelled against me and would not listen to me. They did not get rid of the vile images they had set their eyes on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So I said, I would pour out my wrath on them and spend my anger against them in Egypt. But for the sake of my name, I bought them out of e- I brought them out of Egypt. I did it to keep... My name from being profaned in, uh, in the eyes of the nations among whom they lived and in whose sight I had revealed myself to the Israelites. Now, just a little little sermon inside of a like mini sermon inside of a bigger sermon. You know, these people at this point are living in open rebellion, and God says, "I see it. I'm a God who's flowed, like I'm gonna try to get you there, anyways." Now, listen to me. We live in a new covenant in the covenant of grace. Some of you this morning, you've come in, and and all throughout worship, you've worshiped your badness, not his goodness. And I'm here to tell you that if you think one bad day of messing up is big enough and you're strong enough to to, to destroy the calling on your life, listen to me, you're not that powerful. God loves you, he sees you, he wants you, and he's going to use you. And just because you had a bad day don't mean that, that you're no longer invited to the table. Right here we see a generation that's living in open rebellion and God's still wanting to move them towards the promise. Man, God is so in love with us. It's crazy. Look at verse 10. He says, Therefore I led them out of Egypt, brought them into the wilderness. Verse 11, I gave them my decrees and made known to them my laws by which the person who obeys them will live. Also I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. He says in verse 13, Yet the people of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not follow my decrees, but rejected my laws. And this is where I'll stop. By which the person who obeys them will live. And they utterly desecrated my Sabbaths. I want us just to sit on this idea. This generation went from being a generation that was like hey I'm ready to be on fire for the kingdom god take me where you want me to go to being a generation that was literally living in rebellion and had forgotten about god and so we have to ask the question what happened well here's what happens this is just just what you see scripturally when, when we begin to forget about the Sabbath, and, and, what, and what I mean, I just want to be really clear. I'm not talking about Old Testament. I'm not preaching Old Testament. I'm not preaching legalism. We've got to observe the Sabbath. We have a relationship with Jesus. We have access to Jesus all the time, all day, every day, okay? I'm preaching New Covenant, but there's Old Covenant principles that carry over to New Covenant. And some of you are like, I'm lost. That's okay. You don't really need to learn that. Some of you are like, oh, I, I needed to understand, because whatever. So don't get caught up in all that. Just forget about taking off the podcast. I'm kidding. But anyways, back to what I was saying. So the Sabbath, there's this moment of Sabbath rest, and they begin to ignore it. You know what happens? Because they begin to ignore building time in their calendar intentionally to be with God. They become the generation that starts dealing with spiritual complacency. And listen to me, when you become spiritually complacent, if you don't deal with it, that spiritual complacency will lead to spiritually you being bankrupt. And if you don't take care of being bankrupt, going to the God who has paid it because it's all free because he died on the cross, you will go from spiritual complacency to spiritual bankruptcy and then spiritual bankruptcy to spiritually broken. And God is saying in all of that, I have so much more for you than, than, than to, to live and be spiritually bankrupt and to be spiritually complacent and, and, and to get to a point where your life, you feel spiritually broken. I mean, we're talking about a generation right here. You, you have to ask yourself, what happened? You know, if, if you like to take notes, please write this down. The story of the Bible is more often than not about a group of people who have forgotten about God. But the story of the Bible is also about a God that never forgets his people. You know, we try to treat, you know, some of us, we grew up going to VBS, and so we, we think that all the, the, the people in the Bible are biblical heroes. I'm going to let you know, I don't know one in the Bible that could probably get a job at your local church. That's real. That's real. Oh, you committed murder? No way, no way. Adultery? No, 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 too dirty. I'm serious. And, and we read it like it's some biblical scrapbook. It's the reality is there's people who in one season are going, God, you're amazing. Use me up. And then in the next season, they're over here living and building their own kingdom. And you're going, how in the world did that happen? How do you go from being on fire to another moment? You're running in the opposite direction of the kingdom. I would, I would argue this morning it has everything to do with whether or not you are building within the rhythm of your life moments to be with God. You talk about what is Sabbath rest and, 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 and why, why do I need it? Well, our soul, our soul longs for it. You know, uh, there's this event. If, if you are a young adult, college age, I, I just, man, you got to go to this. It's amazing. It's, it's worth every dollar. Um, but there's this event called Passion. Okay, it's an event in Atlanta where over like 90,000 young Christians gather together and they worship and they sing about Jesus and the word of God is proclaimed and people's lives are radically changed. It's amazing. But there was this moment where I was at Passion one year and the spirit of God grabbed a hold of my heart in a way that it never had before. I was really convicted. But in order to understand that moment, you have to understand what happened the year before. So I'm at passion and you know, I'm there and I'm ready to encounter God and and there's a new song that was introduced. It's an old song, even as I say it you go, I remember that. It's a song called God's Great Dance Floor, it's a song by Chris Tomlin. Well, he's just a Christian artist. And he introduced that song to the 90,000 people there. And it's a song about Luke 15, about how God throws a party every time one of his kids comes home. Now, I'm telling you, I grew up living for the world. And I've been to some good parties, and I threw some big parties myself. But there ain't no party like a God party. And I'm telling you, maybe this morning we'll see one. We don't know. But but there's this moment where I'm, I'm there, and we're singing the song, God's Great Dance Floor. And we sing it for three days straight. And the last time we sing it, and I'm not talking figuratively, I'm talking literally. 90,000 people, we were losing our mind. Now I come from a conservative tribe, meaning we don't worship very outwardly. We keep it all inside. And so I'm there, and next thing you know, I'm like, you know, I feel I'm about to be in a boxing match. you know. And then the next thing, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm about to run. And the next thing, you know, I'm just dancing. I'm like, what am I? I'm like, I got more rhythm than this, and I look really super white right now. And I'm just dancing, and I kid you not, 90,000 people are going after the heart of God. And once again, not figuratively, literally, I looked down at the floor, and the Georgia Dome was literally shaking. I could see the floor shifting back and forth. And I thought, now, here's what you need to know about me. I'm not a thrill seeker okay I'm not a motorcycle guy like it ain't like I'm not against motorcycles I'm just like you know riding dirt bikes doing anything like roller coasters about as far as I go but the whole time I'm praying in tongues like Lord oh, you know like Lord save me I'm just telling you it's just one of those things I'm not a thrill seeker we were in San Francisco two weeks ago we was going up the side of the mountain I'm going five miles an hour talking about hold on baby hold on like I, I'm not a thrill seeker so I'm sitting in there and the ground shaking and I'm like this is it I'm about to die in the middle of the worship this building's about to collapse you know I thought in that moment i'm like man if you're gonna go worship is probably the way to go if you die worshiping you might get a front row seat in heaven that's vip (laughs) but i'm telling you that that was a a moment in my life man where god just said he grabbed a hold of my heart so fast forward a year i'm sitting in passion. And I start to ask God to, to, to free me from the very things that I was asking God to free me from a year ago. And, and then I'm making promises to God that I didn't keep that I made a year ago. And I'll never forget the Lord going, Chris, you're a conviction junkie. Now I never heard that term. So I'm like, God, what in the world is a conviction junkie? And just the Lord just wrecked me. He said, Chris, you you pay. You pay the big money for the big names, the big speakers, and the big worship bands, and you drive four hours just to getting convicted. You make promises to me. You say you're going to do things, and you never do it. And then you come back the next year, and you do it all over again. That was a a season in my life where I began to realize something that if the American church can come under it and grab a hold of it, it'll radically change the way we do life together, but it'll also radically change this nation. I began to understand that as a Christian that I can't live off of good sermons and good worship on Sundays, but eventually I've got to stop living off of somebody else's bread, that i got to stop living off of secondhand revelation that my relationship with God can no longer just be about what the preacher says. I, I'm just telling you, if you don't read the God, if you don't read the word of God, listen, I'm not saying this arrogantly. I hope that like some people tell me this, but like you're, communicated, you're, you're a gifted communicator of the gospel. The reality is, I could be lying to you right now if you don't know the word of God. I could be lying to you. I could be lying to you and twisting the word of God. And if you don't read it, you would never know. You go, I don't believe that. Well, there was a guy almost 100 years ago, that led uh, an entire nation that tried to wipe out the Jews, that said God was behind it. Well, if they just would have read the word, guess what they would have discovered? God wasn't in it. And I'm telling you, there's gotta be a moment in our lives where as the church, we've gotta go, man, Sabbath rest, we've got to remember it. We've got to create it in our calendar to say, God, I wanna be used. But it's one thing to say, God, I wanna be used. But it's it's, it's another thing to say, God, I I want a word for my life. What, what is it that you want to communicate to me? What is it that you want to speak into my marriage that, that you can't tell, Chris, but you, you, you've been saving for me, but I just got to create the space to hear it? There's got to be a point where we go, man, I, I want to stop living off of what God did in the past because I'm hungry for another move. Think about if you go to Kroger today, and, and, and you, you, you go get a, 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 just a, a loaf. You're going to get 12 of them, Right? And, and get two of them out and make you a sandwich today and then leave it in there for a few months and then try to make a sandwich in a few months. It's like, no, like, God wants to give you new bread. God wants to give you new words. God wants to give you new revelation. And it only begins when we as a church community say, man, I, I love you, Chris, or I love you, Jason, or I love whoever's teaching but the reality is, my relationship isn't dependent upon you. And for us to go, man, I, I, I want to be hungry for God. For us to go, man, I don't want to be a generation that, that, that is marked by spiritual complacency. I want to be a generation that's marked by kingdom. I want to be marked as a generation that, that that gathered with 500 other plus churches in middle Tennessee and said, God, use you use us up. You just think about this, the idea of, 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 Sabbath, uh, of Sabbath rest, and you go, why do I need it? Here, here's a couple reasons why you need it, because you were, you were created for God, and you were cre- created by God. I say it again. Your, your soul is in constant protest, in, in constant longing for this, this thing that God... Put into the rhythm of creation. I'm telling you, and I don't know how to, I, I'm like trying to think of many ways to articulate this. The, the fact that I even preach up here and it even makes sense is a miracle in itself. I mean, you're talking to a guy that, of 250 people, I finished like 240 in my class. You're talking to a guy that was in like English 1 and algebra, like pre algebra, like to start college. I'm just telling you, there, there's nothing amazing about me. There's there's nothing, I'm just hungry for God, man. And the moment you become hungry for God, that's the moment God can use you in ways that you never thought was possible. When I was 18 and I was dope, dealing, but yet I still love Jesus, I never would have thought that God would use me in the ways that he has. Now, that doesn't mean that God wants all of us in this room to be preachers, but I'll tell you what he wants to do. He wants to use every single person in this room to increase the population of heaven. And every single person in this room has gifts that I don't have. And guess what? That's amazing. That's amazing. And God has gifted the church that way. But we will only discover our gifts, and we will only discover our call when we get away with him, when we intentionally build those rhythms in our life to draw near to him. You know, what I'm about to say is is honestly going to sound like like just the silliest question ever, but I'm really just trying to bring a point that we accept this in the natural, but we refuse it in the supernatural. If 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 you go to a gas station, you know I might be the only person in this room. Sometimes I like to go to a gas station to get one of those like hot wieners. Like <laughs> I know it sounds kind of weird, but I like I just like they smell real bad. I remember when me and Allison first started dating, and we I got gas one time. This has nothing to do with sermon. I walked in. I got the winner. I came out and I opened it. I'm ready to like, I'm just like, man, this is like heaven on earth. And she's looking at me like, yeah, uh, we're going to break it. <laughs> she's just like, like, what in the world are you eating? But we pull up to a gas station. Why do we pull up to a gas station? We pull up because the car is on what? Empty. Now, just think about that. We accept it so easily. You didn't even fight me on it. We pull up to the gas station because our car is about on empty. Now listen, I've never broken down on the side of the road. I have helped a few people that break down on the side of the road. The only excuse you have for not getting gas is you your meter's broke. Come on now, people. If you're about to run out of gas, go get some gas. But when you're about to run out of gas, you know what you don't do? You don't go, man, I'm about to run out of gas. Oh, I know what I need to do. I'll, I'll get gas tomorrow. Go ahead and get the band to come back up. When you're about to run out of gas, what do you do? You're like. I gotta find a gas station. Why? Because I gotta fill up. I gotta fill up. And we accept this, guys, so easily in the natural, don't we? Y'all didn't even fight me on it. I'm like, no one said. Like, I pull up to the gas station for cigarettes. Like, even though some probably do, but we we instantly went what? We instantly went to empty. Because what we accept in the natural, we actually are refusing our soul in the supernatural. You see, there's this this thing, guys, that that when your soul is running on empty, your soul begins to protest, saying, I need time with God. And there's got to become a moment in our life where that time with God becomes no, not just a Sunday thing, but it begins to be an everyday, intentional, building in rhythms to be with the Lord. I think there's this powerful truth to this idea that, if I pull up to the gas station, I'm not, I'm not going, oh, I'll get gas tomorrow even though I'm running on E. I don't go, oh, well, I'm about to pull up to the gas station because uh, I'm running on E, but you know what? No, forget about it. I'll worry about it a month from now. Like, come on, like, like we don't do that in the natural. But in the supernatural, that's what we do to our souls. We come in here, you'll hear a good word from God, you'll hear the word of God preached, you'll even feel it in worship, and your soul is crying out, Go get prayer. Your soul is crying out, ask God to fill you up. Your soul is crying out, let's make changes, and here's what we do. I'll worry about that tomorrow. I'll wait a month from now. And and, and your soul is in protest going, no, 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 we were created for so much more. God has so much more for us than cultural Christianity. And the moment that you begin to believe that will be the very moment that you will find out why in the world you were put on this planet. One of the most popular questions right now in our culture, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Have you gotten in his presence long enough to hear from him, to even figure it out? In a culture that wants to microwave everything, I say, hey, let's push that to the side, and let's start to deal with what's going on in here. And the journey is gonna be slow at times. But man, God's faithful. My last point, and it's not really a point, it's uh, it's what does it look like for us to participate in this together? What does it look like for us to begin to participate in Sabbath rest throughout our calendar? And here's, here's the deal. You know, what I, what I wanted to do by default as a pastor, I wanted to get up here and go, here, here's five reasons, or not, not five reasons, but here's five things you can do. And, you know, I was just convicted even in that because here, here's the truth, I could give you a human strategy, or you could go to God and get the divine strategy. And I don't want this to be another sermon. I want this to be the moment we open our eyes and go, Man, I'm tired of the human strategy. I want the divine strategy. I want God, I want to go to God. Even, you know, we're about to sing a song to go to God and say, God, would you fill me up? I feel empty. And would you begin to just download a divine strategy just to show me what are the things in the rhythms you want me to put, want me to put in my life? So you guys can go ahead and stand with me. I want to close out this way. You know, one of the songs that we sing growing up is, uh, if you grew up in church, I didn't grow up in church, but I remember hearing it on the playground a few times. Y'all remember that song about God? It goes, he's got the whole world. Sing with me. In his hands, he's got the whole some of y'all are getting unsaved right now because of my voice. In his hands, the whole world. In his hands. He's got the whole world in his. Now listen to me. When we're little, man, we receive that as like truth. That God is in control. That God is faithful. That God is the one making moves. That God is the one doing it. And then guess what happens? I'll tell you what happens. Life happens. Bills happen. Like, the bills start coming, and, and then the culture says, You got to and, and do this, and you got to do this, and you got to get a job, and you got to build your resume. And, and it just keeps going and keeps going. And the next thing you know, you don't even realize that we're worshiping the God of busyness. And then we're trying to change the lyric, right? We're trying to change the lyric. We, 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 as a kid we sing, he's got the whole world in his hands, and then we get into our mid-20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and then we sing with our lives. I want to believe that, but the reality is I want to make sure I'm the one who's got the world in their hands. And when we live this way, what happens? It produces stress and anxiety, and our soul becomes unhealthy. And so here's the invitation this morning. As we close, we're going to sing a song of worship. Two things. One, as we sing this next song, I would just ask that if you feel empty, that you would just ask God to fill you up. That you would go, God, would you fill me up? I feel empty. The second thing is, is I also want us to pray as a church that God would give us a divine strategy. Not a divine strategy collectively. I mean, individually. That you as an individual will go, God, I want a divine strategy individually. What is it that you want to use me for? I was back there talking. I'm not going to say his name, but... He's an older gentleman, and uh, I I basically was just, we were just relishing in the fact I, you know, we talk about being in our 60s, and I'm halfway there. And I said, you know what I love? I said, the American dream says this. From 20 to 50, make as much money as you can. From 50 to 70, spend it, go on all the great vacations. From 70 to 90, get ready to die. But when you read the Word of God, it's just about the time you hit your 60s. That's the moment where God says, all right, now you're ready. Now you're ready. I mean, I'm serious. And so I don't care what age you are this morning. Come with a posture that says, God, what is it that you want to do with my life? It's first going to start by us saying, God, would you fill me up? Second, it's going to end with us going, God, would you give us the divine strategy? So with just hands lifted to heaven, I'm going to pray for us. God, would you just move over this next song? Lord, you're amazing and we love you. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, that you just call us out of spiritual complacency, God, that you you call us out of our spiritual brokenness, God. You know, I was just thinking earlier this morning, Lord, that even when the whole world is pointing a finger at us, that you're the God that jumps in the circle with us and wraps your arms around us, even when everyone wants to accuse us. Even when everyone wants to be a referee and tell us all the places that we messed up in our life, that you're the God that says, I got you. You're the God that calls the gold out of their hearts. You're the God that calls us into deeper and into better. You're the God that casts vision for our life, Lord. So we celebrate you, God, that you're already in the future, the alpha and omega, fighting and making a way when right now in our lives, for some of us, it feels like there is no way. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.